0: From WBAI 99.5 FM, Pacifica Radio in New York, this is Trump Watch, Countdown to Inauguration, a new series exploring the proposed policies of presidential-elect Donald Trump and examining the cold hard facts of what a Trump administration will look like when he's sworn into office on January 20th. I'm today's host, Jesse Lent. Conrad, Tokyo, Sapporo, just Justin National, Dog is off sabbatical, rather watch a litigian. politics politician, politics CNN and all this Welcome to the first ever episode of Trump Watch. Thanks for joining us. In this episode, we'll examine what impact the new president's policies could have on both Muslim Americans and those arriving in the U.S. from a country with a majority Muslim population. Our guest will be Arun Kunani, an adjunct professor at NYU and the author of The Muslims Are Coming, Islamophobia, Extremism and the Domestic War on Terror, published by Verso Books in 2014. Of all the controversial statements the president-elect made on the campaign trail, few touched as raw a nerve as his proposed ban on immigration for people from some predominantly Islamic nations and suggestions of a national registry for Muslims. Trump's call for a national registry of Muslims first made major news headlines in July of 2015 during the Republican primary, when he was asked to clarify previous statements on the subject by a reporter for NBC News.
1: Should there be a database system that tracks the Muslims here in this country?
0: There should be a lot of systems beyond database. I mean, we should have a lot of systems, and today you can do it. Then on December 2nd of last year, Muslim American husband and wife Saeed Farouk and Tashfin Malik opened fire at a Christmas party at the San Bernardino County Department of Public Health in San Bernardino, California, where Farouk worked, killing 14 and injuring 22. Five days later, then-candidate Trump announced his plan for a temporary halt on immigrants coming to the U.S. from some countries with a Muslim majority. Donald J. Trump is calling for a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States until our country's representatives can figure out what the hell is going on. We have no choice. We have no choice. But has there ever been a Muslim registry in the U.S.? Supporters of Trump's proposal point to the National Security Entry-Exit Registration System, or NSEERS, established in 2002 as a response by the George W. Bush administration to the 9-11 attacks. Males 16 and older from 24 countries with a majority Muslim population and North Korea were required to register with the Immigration and Nationalization Service with fingerprints, photographs, and were questioned. Over 100,000 people were registered within SEERS, with 14,000 of them getting deported before the program was suspended in 2011. Yet according to James Ziegler, acting commissioner of INS when the policy first took effect, N. Sears was ineffective in catching terrorists, telling the New York Times in 2004 that the government, quote, got nothing out of it, unquote, adding... To my knowledge, not one actual terrorist was identified, but what we did get was a lot of bad publicity, litigation, and disruption in our relationships with immigrant communities and countries that we needed help from in the war on terror. But in Sears did have its share of supporters inside the U.S. government. In a Fox News interview in 2013, Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky, who eventually threw his hat into the ring during the 2016 Republican presidential primary, criticized President Obama for failing to preserve the program.
1: We're not doing enough scrutiny, I think, on those who come to our
0: country and student visas and refugee status. There used to be a program. For 10 years, we had a program and President Obama canceled it. It was called NSEERS, where 25 countries were targeted and we said, They need extra scrutiny to make sure they're not coming here to attack us. President Obama disbanded that. So where does that leave us today? Since winning the election, President-elect Trump's cabinet picks have sent mixed signals regarding immigration policy for Islamic nations. His pick for national security advisor, former Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, reportedly called Islam a, quote, vicious cancer in the body of 1.7 billion people on this planet that, quote, has to be excised, unquote, in a speech in Stoughton, Massachusetts back in August, while Trump's newly anointed White House chief of staff, Rance Priebus, said flatly, we're not going to have a registry based on a religion, unquote, in a November 20th interview on Meet the Press. Here to help us understand what a Trump presidency could look like for Muslims in the U.S. is Arun Kunani, an adjunct professor at NYU and the author of The Muslims Are Coming, Islamophobia, Extremism, and the Domestic War on Terror. Mr. Kunani, thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. What do you think the most obvious or immediate changes will be for Muslims in the U.S. under a Trump presidency?
1: Um, I mean, I think within the United States, uh, pretty pretty soon after um, Trump is in the White House, we're going to see a revival of a program that was actually already in place, um, introduced in 2002 and, and was kind of running till about 2011. Program um, called the NCIS program, which was a, a program that required uh, people to register um, and be photographed and interviewed um, and and fingerprinted with with um, federal uh, agencies um, if they were non what are called non-immigrant visitors to the United States from a list of a set list of countries 25
0: uh, countries right
1: yeah um, all, all of which are Muslim majority countries except North Korea uh, and so something like um, at least 80,000 people fell into that category um, in, in the kind of early years of the war on terror went through that process and um, uh, so, so you know, talking about people who are students, people who are kind of temporary workers in the United States, um, and uh, so so that was a, a kind of profiling operation that took place back then, um, and 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 by the way, it did not result in the discovery of any links to terrorism um, or all of that um, resources and investigation and disruption of people's lives had zero. Um, results from the point of view of counterterrorism. uh, many people were deported through that program um, separated from from their their lives here in the United States and um, so I think we'll see a a revival of that in the first instance but it'll be different this time around for for one reason um, uh, which is that now um, we're at a different place in how this works and and so the, the you know what will be investigated in those people's lives um, will no longer be what it was before, which was what we called links to terrorism, where you're trying to find if someone has an association to known terrorist individuals or groups. Now we'll be using the language of, are they an extremist? And the way we'll be trying to assess that is, um, what, what are the websites they've visited? Um, and so it will be much easier for the a federal government, if it's minded to do so, which under Trump it will be, um, to say oh we've, we've actually managed to find some extremists um, who visited the wrong websites um, or whatever evidence they want to conjure up and um, and so then unlike before the program will be presented as a success it will have it will be presented as if it has successfully identified some people that answer't so, you know that are a threat um, in, in a completely fabricated way I would say but nevertheless it would present it as a success and that will give them the basis I think to go beyond what um, the The program that that was there before and and widen it to other categories of people. So what you might see um, is is the program being widened to um, permanent residents um, who are, who are from that list of countries. so then it would then it would start to affect a, a much wider category of people who are who are permanently living in the United States um, with green cards but but happen to have um, come here from Muslim majority countries
0: when we we can't really talk about uh, the new administration's policy towards muslims without making that subdivision right of muslims who are muslim american citizens and those coming to this country
1: right and and you know if we remember you know a year ago when when trump was talking about him, um, a kind of uh, muslim ban um the you know originally there wasn't really any any distinction made and over time um when he's when he's had to actually specify what this will look like in policy terms. Um, he, you know, he's kind of fallen back on on a position where the mechanism rather than saying Muslims in general, um, the mechanism has become one of, um, nationality, right? So it's actually, you know, because of the way that the federal government is allowed constitutionally to discriminate on the grounds of nationality in a way that it's not, um, on the grounds of religion or race, um, it, it can, it can, you know, it becomes a way of, of indirectly discriminating against significant numbers of Muslims by saying, well, we, we're not going after them because they're Muslim. It's just because they happen to be Iraqi or uh, Pakistani or or whatever, right? And okay, so that from way a country that's it. sympathetic,
0: I believe is the language that Trump has used, uh, uh, terrorist right, sympathizers, right. It, right? Quote unquote.
1: Uh, right, and that's you know, and then there's an, another part of this is is you know, at times, I mean, even, including in his speech last night in North Carolina, it seems from what he's saying that he's actually going to, um, just completely suspend immigration from certain countries. Right. Um, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, he, he'll say that's temporarily while we investigate and all that kind of stuff. But, but, um, I mean, that would be unprecedented to, to actually say, you know, from certain countries, we just simply are closing the door completely to any immigration. Um, And and so, you know, I think I think that's another another thing that might happen quite quickly as well. Um, I think I mean, that but that affects obviously people who aren't in the United States, but are planning to come here. But but in terms of people within the United States, I think you're going to have this kind of escalating process by which um, it begins with identifying particular groups of foreign nationals. And then it becomes about permanent residents. And then eventually you might find it becoming about naturalized citizens Where it says, okay, although you're a U.S. citizen, previously you were a Pakistani, so we are going to require you to turn up um, at a federal building and be questioned simply for that reason. Um, I think the other thing as well is, is, you know, a lot of people have been saying, well, um, if if a Trump administration um, said to um, Muslims in the United States that they have to kind of declare themselves and register themselves for this kind of Muslim registry. Well, of course, you know, then, then you have, um, a, a number of people who are saying, well, then I'll, I will in solidarity, I'll de- also declare myself as a Muslim to kind of protest this system. Right. Um, but, but in reality, um, in, in the, in, you know, in the kind of digital social media age that we're in now, um, I think a more likely scenario is, is, not one in which the administration says you have to come forward, but one in which, um, you know, the administration either commissions the national security agency or some, uh, you know, Silicon Valley outfit to, um, to essentially come up with a surveillance algorithm, um, that, that says that goes through our social media posts and our, um, uh, phone records and so forth. Um, all that information that a national security agency holds, and and the computer science seems to say that you know if you go through that material with a sophisticated enough algorithm, you can you can identify whether someone's Muslim or not with pretty much ninety nine percent accuracy, right? So they can create a, a, a fairly near you know reliable enough list of muslims in the united states without having to uh, you With know, zero muslims participation
0: to on the part of uh american right, muslims right. And
1: then and then they can they can start working their way through that list and requiring those people to come forward and and the one in a hundred who who can prove that they're not muslim however you're supposed to do that i don't even know what that means <laughs> um uh can can then get themselves off the list um but you know this is i mean i think we have to start understanding that we're in an age of kind of algorithmic fascism. It's not the old system of, you know, put a yellow star on, 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 on your clothes. It's, it's something different where it's about the data that the government holds on you.
0: And that was one of the main criticisms of the INSEERS program, right, is that if the point of the, of the registry is to snare potential terrorists, a lot of potential terrorists probably aren't rushing to call INS and register with the U.S. government, No.
1: Um yes of course I mean the the, the way that enses worked was was that I mean because it was dealing with foreign nationals who were um in the system already you know they 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 had a record of that person's visa of that person's address that's attached to the visa so the way it worked was you would receive a letter in the post saying um you know you were required to appear on this date um to be interviewed uh, and, and to not do so would, would mean that you would be um, facing deportation and removal. So, so it wasn't that it was sending a message and saying, if you're from this country, please come forward. It was actually, you know, they, they already knew who, who was in the country mm. um, from those countries as a result of the visa application process.
0: Do you feel that there is a role for American Muslims to play in the so-called war on terror?
1: Um, I mean, I think, you know, within within the United States. Um, you know, I think, I think there is no special role that Muslims have. I mean, we're talking about population of millions. Um, there's been a handful of cases within the United States, um, where people who are Muslim have carried out acts of mass violence. Um, there's no, there's no disproportionate, um, problem of, of incidents of mass violence amongst Muslims in the United States uh other, other um, groups have have um, similar problems or worse problems of of, of this kind. Um, so so the role of Muslims in the United States is is of course,, um, you know to to denounce um, acts of mass violence carried out by Muslims, um, also to denounce acts of violence carried out carried out by non-muslims in the United States who, who are their fellow citizens and um and, and in that sense their their obligations are no different from anyone else's. Of course, if you are aware that someone is um, involved in some kind of criminal activity, you have an obligation as a as a citizen to uh you know to inform the authorities um, but the idea that you know that muslims um somehow are um kind of complicit in fostering some kind of cultural atmosphere of, of support for extremism. I mean, it's just um, a kind of Islamophobic fantasy. And um, and the idea that that by virtue of sharing a religion with a handful of people who've carried out acts of mass violence means that those Muslims have a special responsibility to kind of constantly stand up and distance themselves from those acts of violence. I mean, this is, this is how Islamophobia is fed. Um, Uh, And and so, you know, my my position would be, you know, precisely not to um, to to kind of every time there's a there's a terrorist attack by Muslims somewhere in the world. I think it's completely counterproductive for an American for American Muslim leaders to stand up and say we condemn Um, silence is is a much more appropriate response because otherwise you're fostering the idea that somehow you're responsible for what happens. Um, in another part of the world that you have nothing to do with.
0: That's really interesting, and, and uh, I mean, do you, as an extension of that, feel that it's an unfair expectation to ask American Muslims to condemn uh, Muslim extremism every time there is a terrorist attack?
1: Um, I, I, th- I think it, you know, if, if there's a terrorist attack taking place in the United States, um, um, then then I think you know, it's a reasonable expectation. That, that people condemn it, whether they're Muslim or not. I mean, I think we all would feel that way because someone who's a fellow citizen of ours has done something that has offended and and damaged the, the national community, right? But if, you know, if when there's an attack in Paris um, carried out by a French Muslim, for for to turn to an American Muslim and say, you, sh- you now have a responsibility to condemn that, seems to me completely misguided. Because if we're gonna apply that principle, then, um, does that mean that um, you know when a when um, a, a white supremacist in Germany kills um, uh, a, a Turkish immigrant that I can turn to all the white people I know and say um, you have a responsibility to condemn what this white person did in Germany? Well, it would be ludicrous. Where would you stop?
0: And you've spoken before about the disproportionate amount of gun violence, for example, in the U.S as opposed to Muslim uh, uh, acts of terror. Why, if statistically, uh, there's very little difference between the amount of uh, Islamic extremists uh, committing acts of terrorism in the U.S. is is akin to the attacks in Northern Ireland. um, Why do you feel like this is such an emotional issue? Why do you feel like the response, at least here in the U.S., is so disproportionate?
1: Um, I mean, I think, you know, it it is striking to me that, that, um, you know, that if you look at the the number of people that have been killed in, in gun related crimes in the United States since nine 11, it's, it's something like 200,000 and it's, so, you know, there are, there are countries in the world that have populations smaller than that. Um, whereas if you look at the, the number of, um, terrorist incidents, um, carried out by Muslims, it's, you know, it's a few dozen, um, similar number for, for the far right, uh, a few dozen people killed. Um, so like, why, why do we, um, focus so much attention on, on, um, on the Muslim incidents? Well, you know, it tells us that how we think about violence is, is socially and politically constructed. It's not a a simple reflection of the reality of the, of the risks and dangers we face. any any one of us living in the United States you know the most likely per- person to kill us is actually our domestic partner um particularly if you're a woman um but but we don't think of that as our biggest threat you know we we it's much more convenient to think it's these people coming from a different culture um uh you know it's this barbaric culture and when we when we think of islam in that way um it enables enables us to tell ourselves a very convenient story about ourselves, right? We can tell ourselves that we're everything that they're not. We can say, you know, they are barbaric. We are reasonable. They are um, fanatical. um, Whereas, whereas we are modern and civilized, right? So it becomes a very kind of flattering self image that we can construct of ourselves, which then means that the, the violence that our own government carries out in the Middle East that is part of this same cycle of violence gets hidden from view. Right, so then we don't have to confront the fact that we also are bombing hospitals and killing journalists and killing children in usually much greater numbers than ISIS is capable of. Um, so, you know, we we get to tell, we get to disavow and not have to face up to um, some of the, the the inconvenient truths about ourselves.
0: Where do you think that idea starts? Does it start in government in the media?
1: Um, I mean, I think it. I think it's a, a you know, a, a kind of collective um, process that that comes to some extent from the media, to some extent from government, for, to, to some extent from, you know, fairly well-funded um, organizations that 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 promote and propagandize these ideas. But but I think we're all, you know, we're all complicit in this, and we all, you know, all of us living in the United States are, um, are, are you know, share to some extent. In a very long history of um, white supremacy, of racial oppression, and these these kind this particular part of it to do with Islamophobia is is able to resonate because it it connects with those same energies that uh, that have, we've never fully um, addressed and resolved.
0: What would you say to Muslims hearing this who are? nervous about the incoming Trump administration. I realize you're not an activist, but what do you think the best approach for either an American citizen or a Muslim living in America from another country?
1: Um, well, you know, I think we all, all of us um, who who are concerned about what's happening are going to have to um, step up our game in, in many ways. Um, to deal with what's coming at us. Um, I mean, I think the one upside maybe of, um, of Trump's election might be that just because of the sheer range of, of groups that he has put in his crosshairs, um, that we, we could be seeing, um, a mobilization in, in the United States of social movements that, that we might not have seen, you know, for a few decades. Um, you know, when you think about Muslims, Mexicans, women, um, LGBT, uh, the disabled, um, uh, the list is very long. Um, in fact, the list is the majority of Americans. Um, so, um, you know, I think it's important, we're going to have to think within that about the immediate priority of protecting um, the two groups that seem to be um, first on the list. Um, which is Muslims and and Mexicans, and, and I think we're going to have to think about very concrete um, uh, actions that we can take to um, prevent people from being removed from the country, to um, to support people who want to participate in in practices of non cooperation with, for example, the Muslim Registry Program. I mean, when people start getting those those letters telling them they have to turn up to federal buildings. Um, we're going to have to be organized enough so that if people um, as an act of disobedience say that they're not going to do that, that we can have a movement that's strong enough and well organized enough to protect them from the consequences Um, so that people can then start, um, you know, going to court and raising the constitutional issues with the protection of a, of a wider movement. Um, You know, I think, I think it's, this is not a time for, um you know for going on social media and and making statements that how you oppose trump and thinking that that is enough this is a time for organization the slogan should be organize 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 cuz it's it's the the kind of organizational power that we have the number of people that we can bring to the streets that is going to be decisive now
0: if there was one thing that you could make all americans understand about islam what would that be
1: um i mean i, th- I think that you know, the, the the paradoxical answer to that question almost would be um, that there is no such thing as as one Islam, right? There is um, uh, a, a, as many different ways of of um, being Islamic as there are Muslims. And, um, uh, you know, the difference between Islam and, say, the Catholic Church is that there isn't a pope. Right. In, 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 I mean, even in the Catholic Church, the majority of Catholics don't, um, uh, take the Pope's word, um, uh, you know, as, as absolute, uh, uh, as it's supposed to be. Um, but, but there is one person who's meant to be the kind of leader that defines the religion. Well, that just doesn't exist in Islam. Um, and so it's up to each individual Muslim to, um, figure out what the religion means for themselves. Um, uh, and, and, um, and, and in that sense, um, you know, Islam doesn't make people into anything. Um, it's a tradition that people draw on to figure out how they want to live. And, um, and, and what parts of that tradition um, are meaningful to them will we'll say more about them than it says about Islam. Well, thank
0: you very much. Sure, you're welcome. My guest has been Arun Kudnani, an adjunct professor at NYU and the author of The Muslims Are Coming, Islamophobia, Extremism, and the Domestic War on Terror. You're listening to Trump Watch, Countdown to Inauguration, on WBAI 99.5 FM Pacifica Radio in New York. Finally, in closing, I'd like to put in an appeal to the most critical part of this program, you, the listener. While the goal of generating news coverage that everyone can agree isn't biased or offensive is no small task, throughout the duration of this series, we'll attempt to move past the hysteria and hatred dominating our political discourse at the current moment in search of concrete answers on what our new government will look like. We may fall short at times, and I hope you'll let us know when we do. Send us an email or contact us through social media. We also hope you'll clue us in, whatever your political views are, on what areas of Trump's proposed policy you'd like to see us examine for the half hour. I can't promise we'll be able to address every issue, but I will make you this solemn oath. We at Trump Watch won't ever shy away from confronting the issues that other news outlets are turning away from, and we look to provide all of you with a voice on the direction of this show should you do us the great service of choosing to use it. And speaking of choice, thank you for making the choice to listen to this station. WBAI is independent, commercial-free, and most importantly, listener-sponsored. Please embolden our journalistic efforts with your financial support by becoming a member of this station. Visit give to wbaiorg And make a donation now, or consider making a monthly donation by becoming a WBAI buddy. That's going to do it for this week. You've been listening to Trump Watch, Countdown to Inauguration, on 99.5 FM WBAI, New York. Tune in tomorrow for a new episode. And I'll be back on Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. with an examination of a different policy of the incoming president. Until then, I'm your host, Jesse Lent.